Hi everyone, welcome back to the latest episode of the Teacher Cast. Thank you so much for all of the love and support that myself and Haley have got on the first three episodes. Um, Haley, you're back as well. Of I course. am. Yeah. Um, so we're actually recording this uh, only a couple of days after we recorded the last one. Uh, I'm sure Haley, you'll go into why we're recording early in your your news. Yeah. Um. So we're looking forward to another episode of the podcast. Um. If you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to give it a five star review on whatever po- po- podcast platform you're listening on. Um. As it really motivates us to keep going, knowing that people really enjoy the content that we're putting out. Um. With that being said, Haley, what's the crack? Oh, Adam, not a whole lot. Yeah, um, I've been good. Sure, I've been back to school this week. Uh, We recorded the last episode there on Sunday, and today's Thursday. So recording a little bit earlier, because by the time this goes out on Tuesday, I'll be just back from Edinburgh. So I'm going to Edinburgh for the weekend. I have my first EPV day now. In my school, they let NQTs take EPV day. So I'm super duper lucky, because I had four to take. So yeah, I'm going to Edinburgh. Um, I've been before. I'd have you ever been Adam? No, I've never been. No, I've heard amazing things. I really yeah. want to go over to like the Christmas markets and stuff over there, but I've heard really nice things about Edinburgh. Yeah, it's fab. I was there the January just before we went to lockdown, so January 2020, and I went with my friend Megan. Um, so yeah, Neil has never been, so I'm going with my boyfriend and my friend John, who was one of my best, well, still is, he's one of my best friends. He's from scotland and we're friends from when i lived in canada so he's actually returned home now so it's really nice that um yeah he's not a like five hour flight away so yeah really looking forward to that so yeah by the time this goes out i will be back in school um and yeah how's your week been in school how's been like settling into your new classroom um it's been it's definitely been busy like the kids came in on sunday actually so i think I probably did speak about that. Yeah. Um. When we recorded the last one, the kids had come in to see the classroom, and then and one day they came in up. properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So as the week has gone on, I've slowly but surely been working on the room and getting it to where I want it to be. It's a bit higgledy piggledy, but we're getting there. Yeah. Um. By the time this podcast comes out, I would have thrown up a few pictures on Instagram of, uh, with a very huge work in progress sign above it all because there's a it really is a work in progress, mm-hmm. but. Um, no, I'm enjoying the setting up process. It kind of feels like September all over again. It's a bit strange. Yeah. But um, no, it's been going well now. Um, been keeping busy with school. I've been getting back into the gym again after the Christmas chill vibes, you know. Yeah. Uh, it was quite funny. I was in uh, my my personal trainer, Jamie. He listens to us. Shout out <laughs> um, to Jamie. Very supportive <laughs> PT. Yeah. And she actually was telling me during the week that... Um, two of his clients um, had seen me either leaving or coming into the gym or whatever to uh, to work with Jamie. And they had recognized me from Aww. Instagram and that they were listening to the podcast and stuff. So it was actually uh, really weird. Uh, yeah, I wasn't talking to the people directly. Jamie had passed it on to me that uh, these people had recognized me, which is really weird, but uh, it was quite a fun. I love that. And are they teachers as well? Do you know? Yeah, I think they're both. I think Jamie said they're both like management potentially as well i'm not 100 okay. sure on that uh i'm sure nice. he could probably only say so much but um yeah yeah so i was like i'll take the compliments where they come i don't mind that's fab <laughs> yeah and like are you like set up in your ashtray station and like your your role play area and all that 
Yeah, like I still have a few bits to set up. Um, I have a filing cabinet, which is too heavy to move, and it's in the way of me setting up my full role player at the moment, and I can't move it at the moment. So yeah. I'm waiting for like a wheelbarrow <laughs> or like a little thing on wheels to come to move it. Um, so I can't really do that. But this week is our last week doing the hospital in Astor, so I'm not too concerned about having all the glitz and glam ready because I'm taking it all down again to set up our new theme, which we're starting next week, which is going to be all about engineering. Oh, interesting. Which is very exciting. Bit of a left field um, Aster theme. It's not one that you hear as much as Yeah, I'd be uh, interested others, to see your content. Yeah, I'm excited, to be honest, because obviously it's all new to me yeah. being in a new school and teaching juniors for the first time. So yeah. I am excited to see what stations we have planned. We're going to talk about it with the other two junior infant teachers tomorrow, but what yeah. exactly we're doing. And we'll kind of get it all up and running hopefully next week. Love that. I can't wait to see all the, the content and all the inspiration. Because I hate, there's Absolutely. nothing worse like when you're starting something and like it's not really been done before per se. And like you go on say to Instagram or to Pinterest and you try to look for ideas and you're like, I have no idea what way to take this. There was something I was doing recently. Oh yeah, it's grandparents day this week. Um. In school, we actually have grandparents coming in to visit, like most schools around the country, um, that have mm-hmm. grandparents' day this week. But I, I actually saw. Oh yeah, no, I actually didn't see enough, um, inspiration things. So like, I just ended up doing like a whole wall in my classroom dedicated to grandparents' day. I don't know if I spoke about this in the last episode, but anyway, um, it's all kind of come together now, <clears throat> and um. Yeah, I was actually really struggling to find inspiration, but um, actually a really nice idea in my school that I noticed in the hall, because the grandparents are going to be coming into assembly, um, were these lovely letters written from the children to their grandparents and just thanking them and sharing their favourite memory and, you know, saying like, thank you for never letting me feel hungry and, you know, thank you for always, you know, throwing me a few quid here and there and like, just like the the nice moments of like you know that grandparents child relationship so yeah i don't know it was really nice but like that when you find like when you have like a theme or something like that or a topic or an area i always hate when like you go onto pinterest and like there's hardly anything there so yeah i'll be interested to see all the new ideas yeah it should be interesting all right i'm very lucky in the school that i'm in that we have a huge resource of resources on our Google Drive and all of our plans are there for us and previous year's plans and stuff. So there's a lot of what's been done before on the drive, which is a really good starting point. Like obviously we can completely reinvent the wheel if we want, but it is definitely a good starting point to see what's been done before with regards to each of the themes or how you teach Jolly Phonics or whatever it is. So it's nice to have that kind of starting base at least to go off of, especially for like a niche what I consider a niche theme like doing engineering for Ashtar. Yeah, yeah. So I think today on this episode, we're going to focus on a few Q&As, aren't we? Like having a, answering a few questions, Adam. Um, will I, will I yeah, start? Yeah, I think we get, between the two of us, we get a lot of questions. So we were kind of saying that, you know, we only get to one or two or maybe three in every episode of the podcast. So we said, look, we might as well, dive into the sea of questions that we get yeah. um, every week and see how much we can, how much knowledge we can impart on the teachers. Yeah, because I think um, maybe every few weeks we might do this because it is hard, you know, 
um, to try and get back to all the questions. So this is going to be like a mishmash of information. So some parts of it you might find more interesting than others. But um, Adam, do you want to start it off asking question or that you came across or will I? Um, maybe you asked the first one, Ellie. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, uh, and I suppose it's it's posed to both of us. Um, okay, I get this actually a lot. Hello, I hope you don't mind me messaging. I'm currently trying to find participants for my dissertation, which is focused on teachers' perspectives on the promoting of arc 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 arcsy. I don't know what that is. And discussion in the classroom. <laughs> I'm hoping to conduct some short interviews over Teams and Zoom at the beginning of the of. 20th of february is this something that you can help with don't worry if not adam do you get them a lot um it depends around this time of year definitely i feel like it does like i could definitely relate to this as someone who's like getting ready to in do interviews myself at the moment for my own master's thesis mm. i actually got my ethical approval today Ooh. so i can proceed with the rest of my uh with the rest of my research now which is really good um yeah i get these the odd time i remember one year i literally opened i literally put up a post of like bring it on let's go interviews interviews mm -hmm. questionnaire questionnaire let's go let's go now this year absolutely not because i just do not have the time i barely have the time to do my own stuff so um i do all right but like you know if if it fits if i can do if i can help i will but oftentimes like these these titles are niche enough because they have to be some bit niche and they don't really fit what I have taught or will teach. So I, you know, I try and help out where I can, but there's only so yeah. much you can do. Yeah. The thing is with, with questions that I get like that and I get them all the time is I don't have time to spend half an hour every evening doing because I clock up to like two and a half hours a week and then I don't share them as well because if I share one, I'd have to share them all. Do you know the kind of way? But what I would mm -hmm. recommend is if you are looking for teachers, um, their input there's great Facebook groups that are always collaborating on stuff like that and that's where I would I would go with that um okay um Adam when Can I ask one Hayley, that I found actually um, yeah yeah don't go, or don't go on okay okay point. uh when are primary teaching interviews mostly held during a summer <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I feel like I've kind of fallen into this niche of interviews the last couple of years yeah despite only having done a handful of interviews in my life i suppose due to the mock interviews and stuff that i've done previously with marie and robbie but um so there are interviews all year round because there are positions all year round but i suppose with regards to the summer um it really it's and i know this is such a wishy-washy answer but it does depend on when the panels clear in particular areas i'm not even going to explain the panels tonight because honestly we need a full podcast just explaining the just panels like literally 10 part series on the panels mm -hmm. but um there's a panel in each diocese and once that clears the main panel and the supplementary panel then jobs can get offered to permanent jobs can get offered to open competition with maternities and stuff they don't have to go to the panel so they can get offered a bit earlier mm -hmm. so usually you might see uh, like a lot of positions come up on education posts in june and then in july usually you'll have a lot of interviews especially early july because principals want to take time off to go on holidays naturally mm -hmm. so usually late june early july there'll be a lot of interviews towards the end of the school year slash the start of the summer holidays there will be a lot then there might be a little bit of a lull at the end of july early august and then 
maybe about two weeks before back to school then there'll be a lot more interviews because people will be back from holidays if there's been any changes over the summer yeah people getting other positions and giving up on the position they had or whatever um so it, it really kind of goes on all summer and now that restrictions aren't as um severe as they were a lot of the interviews now are in person i know when they were online that was a bit easier for people to go off on their holidays and still do the interview from their laptop so i actually but, um, have a really interesting yeah. just perspective on that because for me like i finished hibernia mid-july Okay, so interviews were mainly the first two weeks of July and those were the mm. first two weeks I was in the Gale Talked. Adam, it was an absolute nightmare. Like a nightmare because... I remember. I I was there with you. Not in the Gale Talk literally, but yeah, mentally yeah. I was there with you. Yeah, and like it was so funny. Like some schools were so adamant about having it in person and then other schools were so flexible. And it actually tells so much about a school. Do you feel like I I think so anyway? It tells me so much about a school. Tells me if they're up to date on technology. It tells me if they're able to be flexible and adaptable. You know if they can work with you. Like I was hardly joking that I was in the Gale talk. Like I had to do it as part of my teaching requirements. So I just it like to me it just tells so much about a school and the type of school then that you want to work for. But um, yeah, mainly like Adam said, they are in July. Um. Well, it depends. I like when the panel's clear, but last year they were in July. I want to say, pretty yeah, much. generally early July, and then a little bit of a lull, and then mid August again. They would kind of get busy. There'd be a lot then around October as well, because or October, November, December. There actually be a lot because, mm. um, teachers if they're going on mat leave or for or any other leave, tend to go or if if it lines up around a significant like break. So be it the midterm break at Halloween, Christmas break, Easter. So there will usually be a few more interviews in the run up to those holidays because where possible teachers kind of align their mat leave or their parental leave or whatever leave they're taking with heading off at a holiday. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, Haley, someone asked, and this this is specifically for you. This is I won't be able to contribute to this question, but um, they asked, would you? You might have talked about this on your page before, but could you explain what your morning mash is that you do, or mash up morning mash, morning mash up, um, that you do in the mornings, and kind of what is your purpose and goal behind doing that? Yeah, so it's basically being developed over time it's not gonna it's not something that i put up for sale or anything like that because i want to make sure you know it's been trialed and tested and there's no mistakes and all that kind of thing but basically it's so that when students come in in the morning they can focus on a task at hand now a lot of i actually got like my whole school i think generally everyone does a focus task some teachers write it up on the board some teachers have slides flip charts on active inspire but i just use powerpoint <clears throat> and it's really time consuming to make however it'll be so great when i have it all done if that makes sense sorry i think i'm coming down with some <laughs> like a bad cough it's like a tickle in my throat so basically the students come in so at the end of every day we leave our focus task copies on our chair and our focus task is our morning mash. So basically they have one to two Gaelic questions generally to tell the date in Irish. It could be like, it could be um, uh, for anum, naka, rave, uklaka, 
like a gum go get a key going to give a coup like putting them in order kind of like when you when you're counting forwards and backwards um it could be it could be like Cardis Adam Ditch um uh Cunis Avian I'm sure in yay Cunis Atan I'm sure in you and you know they're like the Irish questions that I'd ask her Cardation and it'd be Shin something I try and keep that with the Gwaelga themes that we're teaching at the time um then we have some maths questions based on the number of the day um, and then at the bottom it's just a sentence to punctuate the sentence or it could be fill in the gaps a lot of homophone work um, and yeah and generally as students come in between like 10 to 9 and 10 past 9 um, like I correct about 10 past 9 during that time I'm correcting their homework from the night before and students are are doing their work and as well as that they're um, taking down their homework for the following night so that's my morning mash it's working really well. I highly recommend it. It doesn't. It means that the time in the morning isn't wasted. Do you know? It's there's a purpose. Um, it could be like an, an SESE statement, and they have to punctuate it properly with capital letters, full stops. It could be adding in quotation marks, all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of learning opportunities, especially for those niggly bits that you're probably not going to get to. Like, like I do try and have a long multiplication question every morning as well so it just it's just working out really well for me um and yeah that's my morning mash yeah it sounds great to be fair like it's a good form of assessment for you as a as a teacher i think because it allows you to see how the children can work pretty much independently because i can imagine you can't really get around to all of the kids you have to check as it's happening so you're probably no. looking at them at the end of the week or the end of a fortnight or whatever you look at the copies yes um um, it's definitely so it definitely assesses their ability to apply what you've been teaching them in a new context it also kind of assesses their independent skills as well yeah like if anyone uses mental math it's kind of like that but not as intense um it's just kind of like what's it's not like it's not like rote learning but it's definitely like drilling drilling concepts mm -hmm. home um and like it's not meant to be something that's really challenging like it's not it's not meant to be like that um now some teachers i think in my school do an addition question a subtraction question a multiplication question a division question and a word problem and they call that the funky five but i i don't do that i do morning mash because i want to make sure that they're able to be com you know confident in those basic wilga questions you know like there's, mm -hmm. there's nothing worse when they get to sixth class and you're caught as amjit or kenichu and they're like i haven't got a clue you know so yeah. that's just my fear so if they do that every single day like it could be uh cane law a cane me a like what day is it what month is it like it's just those basic basic questions and you know it's drilling at home they're learning they're they're becoming more confident in writing in guelga um you know revising a little bit of maths and punctuating a sentence which you know can be hard to find the time to fill in those little mini lessons you know yeah, totally. And like you say, it's it's a good way of like getting at the niggly bits that you might not get to or not might not get back to like explicitly revising a lot. So yeah, yeah 100% no, it sounds like a really effective way. And like you say, it is kind of similar to mental maths and English of practice, which is what I would have used last year with second class. But yeah, like you say, it, it kind of covers a few more bases. 
and it's more personalized obviously to the kids you're teaching and what you're actually covering at that particular moment in time yeah I love it and the picture I try and always have it associated with like the time of the year so it's like Valentine's Easter Christmas Adam I have another question here I can't organize myself um my desk is chaos each day and I'm too tired and frazzled after school help um, I mean, you are the organization queen, to be fair, Haley. but I'll try and answer it from my perspective first. <laughs> um, I do appreciate a tidy desk. The desk I left today was not tidy. <laughs> but I think it's just important to utilize the space you have in your room. Like, mm. not everything needs to be on your desk, realistically. Yeah. To know, like, I have a little box beside my desk. No, I did. It's a bit up in the air at the moment, but we'll just say I do. Of, like worksheets and my plan and stuff that I need for that particular week and then I have another box of stuff that I'm prepping for the following week and they stay either under my desk or on the floor or nearby me in some way but they're not necessarily on the desk and it just allows me to create more space on the desk like for me all I really want on my desk is those little colorful box organizer things you know like the tiny little boxes Mm -hmm. that have like the paper clips in one and the you know those kind of things yeah I have a little desk organizer (laughs) I suppose yeah but then I have a little tray on my desk as well, which literally just is like where I can put sheets that I just need to have to hand straight away and my laptop. And that's it really, because I utilize the, the the drawers that are under my desk and the like slide ropes now that I have as well. Like, I think it's just important to prioritize what you need nearby and what you can store in slide robes or boxes or drawers or whatever. I think that's like, really important to be organized as in labeling things and knowing where things are but also just utilizing the space you do not need everything in front of you the whole time because you would actually drive yourself spare otherwise and like Haley, you did a good chunk of well you did pretty much all of your hibernia like at your de- at your famous yeah, yeah. Desk. desk so like you know as well as anyone <laughs> having a clustered desk is actually a death sentence so like that was what I kind of did anyway to kind of keep the desk minimalist enough. Keep just keep the stuff nearby that I needed myself. Like what worked for you, Haley, I suppose, or what is working for you in your classroom? For for being like organized at my desk. Yeah, or just like stopping the inevitable three get to three o'clock and it looks like a bomb site. Yeah. I do a few things. Like I bought one of those, you know, those like I can't even I don't even know the name of like file organizers with like the trays. And it's like, got when, wheels on it, is it? Huh? Has it got wheels? Does it go on wheels? No, no, no. It's like a thing I bought in the range. It's like, it's like, um, I, I'll, I'll link something similar below yeah. on Amazon. But basically, it's like a paper tray thing. Oh, yes. I know yeah. what you mean now. It's like stacked on top of each yeah. other. Yeah, yeah. And like, I have that not on my desk, but in my shelves. Like, I'm really lucky behind my desk. I've got all these m- massive shelves. I've got like 16 compartments in it. Now, a lot of them are taken up by those magazine file holder things. And then I have like other ring binder folders, which you probably saw my lovely labels. I was labeling them all and it just makes me so happy. Um, But the the paper tray things, like I have one of them dedicated to just those extra random sheets that I have that I will need to file into the folders. And if mm-hmm. I come across e- extra ones, I have a whole drawer underneath my whiteboard that has early early finisher tasks and they can go and take a sheet and draw on the back of it. I don't care what they do with it, but there's just spare paper there rather than them taking like a random, a- like another A4 sheet. I'm like, that's not good for the environment, you know? There's constantly mm-hmm. wasting paper for with no purpose. Like if you're going to draw some mad doodle or write some mad thing on it, I don't mind you just taking a sheet, f- but take 
take the early finisher sheets um mm-hmm. so that's the first thing the second thing is like i cannot leave my classroom until that desk is tidy so i think it's maximizing your time like if your students are tidying up for home time that's your time to tidy up for home time then when they're standing at their desk ready say i'm going to be looking for the table that's ready you know and helping each other and they're going to get to leave the classroom first so like obviously like adam i'm in a catholic school so we would say a prayer at the end of the end of the day and then then they i would let the, like and they want to have their desk tidy because they want to be the first ones out the door and sometimes if it's super tidy like there's nothing to pick up off the ground or anything they'll get five table points Do you know so again it's linking back into your classroom management but for me my desk yeah, I try my best to keep it clear. I have um only one kind of paper file thing that's from Ikea on my actual desk and underneath there are things that I want to get to eventually that I need to photocopy or work on. And then on top of it are all things with those bulldog clips of worksheets that I'm that are coming up fairly soon. It could be like little word searches, little early finisher tasks, that kind of thing. And then I've got um my jar with like my, uh, what are they called? Oh, what are they called? Lollipop sticks with the kids' names on it. And then I've got two kind of like round transparent pots with like all my pens for marking, my scissors, that kind of thing. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I do keep my desk pretty clear. And then I just have my clipboard and I have my, um, I call it my active plan. So it's like my timetable, but it actually has my whole, I'll talk about this on a whole other podcast, how I plan for my week, but I have my active plan and that's just two A4 sheets of paper that's clipped together and that's all on my desk. So it means that in the event where, say, an emergency happens and I can't get into school, the plan is left already for the whole week. Oh, okay, that's very handy. Yeah. Um, that is very handy, right? Like yeah. Has, now, like, again, it's something we talk about down the line, but I definitely yeah. feel like as I'm setting up my classroom again, I'm definitely trying to make it like disaster proof or, you know, like sub proof yeah. that like if something happened, I couldn't make it in you know, everything is labelled, you know exactly where to find things because, like, I know with your fourth class, Hayley, you could probably rely on them a tiny bit to tell us oh, where yeah. something's there. I'd Whereas, have like, ones that could teach the whole class. Like, <laughs> less them. My junior infants, they're fab. And you know what? They probably would surprise me with what how they much know. they would be able to yeah. find. Maybe not at the moment because we just moved, but, like, when they know, like... So I have everything labelled within an inch of my life. Like people laugh at me with the amount of labelling I do inside the room. And I'm because they're like, no, it's obviously that that's a phonics book because it says phonics. I'm like, I'm labelling it anyway. No, like you listen now, it, it, it needs a label. <laughs> it needs a label. Trust me, you'll thank me later. <laughs> I'm on that Absolutely. level. Organisation is key. We love yeah. a bit of organisation here. That's yeah, the teacher yeah. yeah, that was a great <laughs> question. Ailey, this is a really interesting one. It's something that I've definitely dealt with. I'd be interested to see if you've dealt with it as well in yeah. your classroom or replacement or whatever. Um, this teacher asked, how to deal with this, with student refusal? A child just says no to everything. Tried, for example, like a first then or a now next kind of mini chart that's on the desk. Mm. Um, have you had any experience with this kind of thing before, Ailey, where a child is just point blank refusing to cooperate? not in my classroom because that just would not that just would not work I just (laughs) would not like I would just be so adamant that they are doing what they're doing and like again there would be reference back to the classroom rules which is our whole school you know behavior policy you know like there's a reason why like a child is refusing and that could be down to the fact that there's not a relationship built there 
they're not feeling safe there's something going on at home their mind their body is physically there but their mind is elsewhere and um, like it really depends like this person hasn't given a an age group but i have come across refusal subbing there was mm-hmm. one it was one of my first few months say of subbing and i was in a school yeah i was in a school and sick i was in a school obviously i was in school <laughs> i was in sixth class and <clears throat> obviously the child the child was it wasn't it seemed as though the child never engaged in any lessons. He was literally down the back doing his own thing. So obviously I'm only there for like a day. I'm not going to be like changing the whole thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that to me was refusal. Um, But no, Adam, otherwise I don't think I have. Now I did struggle a little bit on a advanced school placement, just a lot of needs and stuff going on. But no, I've never had someone refuse. Like not on, not in the class I've taught, not in fourth class mm-hmm. that I've taught. I've not had any refusal. But what about yourself? Yeah, I definitely, I've definitely come across it before, and I think, like you say, it's important to look at the root of the refusal. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily. I think the two things you need to kind of understand is what are they refusing. So like, are they refusing everything? Are they refusing only maybe written activities? Are they only refusing? English activities, whatever it is, what are they refusing? And then what is the root of that refusal? Why are they refusing it? You know, they might not want to do written activities because they have fine motor difficulties and they would rather just avoid those difficulties than face them head on, which is a very valid reason, to be honest, for wanting to refuse an activity. So I think it's important to know what they're refusing and why they're refusing it. Mm. And I think that's a good way then of getting into the nuts and bolts of um, dealing with the refusal. Like for, like a, from my own experience, like I've had a child who would turn on a sixpence and would just refuse to do something out of nowhere, like might write a few bits and then be like, actually, no, never mind. pencil goes across the room and we're done. Um, yeah, I think refusal, like it, there can be severe refusal. And then there can be refusal as in I can't focus. And I think using sand timers can help. Yeah, that's something I introduced this year in juniors. And I found it a really good way to help all the children, not just children will say that would refuse to do things because it would allow for a transition, a really easy transitions, you know, if kids are like, okay, we this activity is ending in three minutes because I can see the sand timer. Because obviously my kids can't tell the time, but they can see a sand timer, so they mm. can kind of represent the time in that way. Yeah. But that has definitely helped. I think just speaking with the child about, like even with my junior infants, I would speak to them like, why is it that you do not want to do this? And sometimes they'll give me an answer. Sometimes they'll tell me where to go. But like, <laughs> <laughs> not in a bad way, but you no, know, they'll yeah, just be yeah. like, get out of my face. I don't want to talk to you right now. And I'm like, fair yeah. enough. Um, but you just kind of look at how you can support that child like you might not get that task completed with that child then but you know if you work with that child the next time that kind of task comes around you may be able to work with them like what do they need in that moment like they might just be uh, dysregulated you know they might just need some support with um, their emotions they may need, might need to go into the calm corner for five minutes and they might do the task in the calm corner you don't know mm. you kind of just have to look at what the child is why why are they actually refusing to do the task that, or do whatever it is you're asking them to do like is it because they're facing into a difficulty is it because they've just come from a really 
like overstimulating environment. You really have to break down the behavior. And I think that's goes for any sort of behavior analysis. You really have to break the behavior up into the different parts and why is the behavior happening and then what can i do as a teacher not to reprimand the child necessarily but to support them in i suppose relearning the optimal behavior in that situation mm-hmm. you know yeah. i think so i think that that would be my from my experience anyway i think it's i like i'm big on like going into the behavior and really like pulling it apart and saying okay no why yeah you know yeah like the child is angry and he's just flung a pencil across the room but like yes obviously that's not ideal we don't want pencils getting flung across the room but like why is that happening Mm -hmm. is it because he does he or she doesn't want to do writing is it because he's finding or she is finding this topic really difficult yeah is this person after having a bad night's sleep there's so many factors you have to take into account and like we obviously didn't get it was only in one of your question box daily so we got we didn't get too much but like for this follower i think it's just a case of like um just really breaking up the the behavior you know yeah i have one more question here but i don't know adam if you'll be able to answer it do you want do you have another one there do you have another one because if not i'll go with go with it sure yeah no go go for it okay i'm starting school placement one in less than two weeks and i'm feeling so beyond overwhelmed as i have little classroom experience I'm also covering narrative writing as per teacher's request, so I'll only be doing nine lessons on it if you have any inspiration or ideas of where to start. As I can, as I see you're actually covering it next week yourself. Have a lovely Sunday. Now, that message was sent like a week, over a week ago, but you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose that's kind of a two-pronged question. So I suppose firstly, taking with the overwhelmed pre-placement side of things, um, you're not on your own. First and foremost, I think that's really important. And that feeling is so normal. Yeah, honestly, I feel stressed coming into school and I'm not even on placement anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's um, like, I know that doesn't mean, that might not necessarily make you feel better that, okay, everyone's stressed, but guess what? I'm still stressed, so that's not helping. But I suppose, you know, look at what's stressing you out again let's break up the behavior let's see what's stressing you out how can you make it a bit easy for yourself do you need to reach out to friends or family to give you a little bit of support do you know are you are you actually like overworking yourself do you know it's really important to set good boundaries in place for placement to ensure that like you still have a life like yes okay you might not be going out all the time or meeting your friends every day of the week during placement but it's still important to have those things there for you because it will help balance out the stress with still having some nice elements to um to your life because you still have to live during placement you know totally yeah narrative writing like i've obviously teach writing genres because i'm in fourth class but adam you're teaching like phonics yeah. yeah like narrative writing in my experience like with juniors we well we haven't been doing narrative writing, but in terms of the narrative Reading structure, stories. we've just been exposing the children to Story. narrative structures, which is really important. Yeah. And like even with up the school a bit, like when you're teaching a genre, the first thing you really should do is expose the children to that genre. So what does it look like based on like published authors? Yes, you know, because that's kind of the goal that they're aiming for. Really, is to make their work bit of structure that is similar to that of published authors yeah like i i've taught narrative writing on school placement with sixth class and i'm also teaching narrative writing now and a lot of people dread it but i actually enjoy teaching it even though writing for me wouldn't be a strong point believe it or not um i 
yeah so like I would have spent like nearly the whole like first week talking about the features and discussing the features and like maybe watching short clips on literacy shed i love literacy shed it has great videos something fishy is a great one the marshmallow one i'll link a few in the in the description box um of this podcast episode um but they're really good for like who's the characters where is it set well how would you describe the setting you know is there any dialogue you know can we describe that she feels sad without actually saying she feels sad do you know show not tell um you can also do things called explode the moment um you could literally do an episode adam on each writing genre um but um what else oh yeah reading um little snippets of of um you know narrative text like you know getting them working in their pairs and you know using different colors okay for red i want you to use character i want you to find the characters for in, in the blue i want you to find the setting um in you know i want you to find a different color descript- descriptive language where's the dialogue you know what happens when you see dialogue okay it moves on to the next line all that kind of thing um and then eventually like we've we've we, what we've worked on so far is describing characters describing settings i'm actually going to be posting an instagram picture i might actually post it this evening of settings on like settings snippet things off twinkle they're fabulous and like you get them working in in pairs like always get them working in pairs because it's nothing worse than a child sitting there with a copy book in front of them a a copy book open in front of them and they're like i don't know where to begin like getting writer's block or something so yeah that's just um yeah that's what i think for narrative writing and trust the process loads of writing unfortunately with narrative writing I think there's a lot of corrections and stuff as well which is not nice but you can always get them to you know assess each other um you know and what they think and you know two stars and a wish that'll work really well for your assessments so yeah hopefully that helps with narrative writing like I said I will try and link a few resources from literacy shed and from twinkle below that I recommend but yeah yeah, absolutely. Hey, like you say, like exposure to the genre is like so important. So like you say, lots of writing of and rewriting of the genre. And then, like I was saying, a lot of reading of the genre, just lots of exposure to the genre will really um, will really help you out there. So, Hayley, we've answered a good few questions there. So I think yeah. before we wrap up, uh, let's discuss our resources of the week um i'll give you a little break Hayley, because i feel like you were talking there for a good while about your narrative writing so i'll yeah. uh, let's discuss my resource of the week so it's something that um we were actually given in school this week we've used for the first time it is called a hand whistle um so oh. it's literally like a little squeezy ball thing that you squeeze and it makes the sound of a whistle and it might sound like something really small but it's just really handy to have it makes more noise than an actual whistle i think um and what I actually enjoy is that it you can kind of incentivize the kids with it. So you're like, okay, whoever can freeze quickest on the next whistle, you guys might get to use the whistle next time. I can't offer that luxury with the mouth whistle because I'm not having every child blowing into True, the same whistle. Yeah. Whereas at least with a hand whistle, all you have to do is squeeze it with your hand like you're squeezing a stress ball. So that's what I kind of like about using it. We've used it in PE this week and the kids are weak for it because they're like, if I freeze now, 
I'm going to get to squeeze the the hand whistle. And obviously that's the most important thing in the world when you're five. Mm. <laughs> so it's, you know, anything to incentivize freezing, to be honest, is going to work well. Um, and what so, way yeah, does that work? Been, does that like hook onto your wrist or something? Or do you just have to constantly You can do, yeah. Like it, it, it seems like the one I have, where we kind of share it amongst the junior infants is kind of just you hold it in your hand. But I'd say you could easily link it onto your wrist or like put it on a, a lanyard and hold it around your neck. It's just like it's handier to share it amongst the classes because the hygiene is less of an issue mm. than sharing an actual mouth whistle, which obviously is chaos. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in junior infants when they're all sneezing and snotting all over each other. Where, times. where do you buy one of them? Um, I actually don't know. I'm going to have a quick look because the school got them for us, so I didn't get my own. But I will find out where you get them. I'm sure you get them on Amazon, the usual places. But oh. I will find out where you get them and I will send you a link, Kaylee, and we'll put it in the description box because yeah. uh, I'm sure people will be interested to get I'm them. I'm interested. You know, <laughs> I'm so. It's handy. It's just, <laughs> and if you're out of breath, it's easy. You don't have to blow into it. So it's. Yeah, it's not. Um, but yeah, so I, and like, I love teaching PE. So anything that I can use to enhance my PE lessons, I'm all for it. So. Um, Hayley, um, what is your resource of the week this week? Yeah, I just had to go with something a little bit different this week. So um, something that I loved when I was subbing particularly was Hurdle. And I'm sure loads of people have heard about it, but a lot of people might have never heard about it. So Hurdle is basically where there is a song a day and you have like so many seconds to listen to it and you have to try and guess the song. Do you know it? I yeah. Do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do know it actually. Yeah, I do because um, I love those kind of things where you have to guess the song in like two seconds. Like I'm all over that. Yeah. Love it. So you can like skip, like, so you have, I think, six attempts to try and get the song or you type in the artist and it'll come up like, but um, you it, every time you click skip, you lose an attempt of guessing what the song is. Okay. And, um, but you can hear a bit, a longer snippet of the song, if that makes sense. So yeah, I guess you know that sounds fun and I think you know like obviously we all know Wordle which is probably the original of uh, kind of where that idea probably stems from a little bit yeah um and I think I think this is a little bit more accessible and I definitely think it like allows for the more creative children in the class to have an opportunity at success it doesn't feel as like academic like centered like yeah. a wordle would but whereas it, you know it, it just allows for a little bit of creativity yeah and it also ticks the box for listening and responding so there you yeah. go anything to tick a box yeah. you. <laughs> anything to tick a box Haley. yeah so um, win win yeah but all that being said i suppose Haley, that is another week of the teacher cast in the I books know. Um, thanks everyone for listening to our Q and A special yeah, this evening or Jan- this morning or this afternoon, whenever you're listening. I yeah, suppose. January's just flying though. Like I can't believe it, it. is. Next week is February. I say next week. This is coming out on the thirty first, maybe potentially. Yeah, it is. Anyway, it is. near the very end of January, so it's kind of mad to think that like the February the February midterm is not far away, no. and the, now we've got this February bank holiday. Thank, know, thanks, St. Bridget, for that one. Um, <laughs> Cheers for that. I don't teach in a Catholic school, but I'm going to take the bank holiday anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, with all that being said, thanks so much for listening. Uh, like we said at the start, we would really appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you're listening to uh, us. Yeah, and also take and, a picture of like where you're listening to us, whether it's in the car and tag us. We'll, we'll yeah, share. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so I loved, interested I'd actually love, that's a great idea, Hayley. I'd actually love to see 
you know, are, are you doing it on your commute? Are you listening to it like in the cafe, like reading a book? Are you going on your walks and listening to us? Like we'd actually love to see the teacher cast in like the real world. So you know, it feels <laughs> like a little bubble here recording, you know? Yeah, um, definitely. So definitely we'd love to see that. Um, Hayley, it's been a pleasure as always. Yeah, and I'll talk to you next week. Slon. Talk to you next week. Slon.